0: You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Thank you, Bella. Great reading. If you're new here, I'm an unfamiliar face. My name is Mike. I'm the kids and youth pastor here at Harborside. Welcome. I'm really excited that you're here. I'm really excited. You've walked in through church doors, which those ones there are quite big and ominous. And when they're closed, they can look quite daunting. And so I want to recognize that walking into a church can be a daunting thing to do, especially if it's not your regular thing you do on a Sunday morning. So thanks for jumping into Harvestside, for coming this morning, for walking in through those doors and being willing to engage, engage with us, engage with the service, engage with worship, which might be a new thing for you too. Singing songs with a crowd of people about Jesus might be a weird and strange thing. And so I acknowledge that. It is kind of a weird thing a little bit, um, but it's a cool thing. Uh, praying in a church might be a new thing for you. Hearing the Bible read from the front might be a new thing for you. Hearing me speak might be a new thing for you. So I just want to recognize that at the start of this morning, that this might be a new thing for you. And, and as Ali said, I hope this morning's message can be one that is accessible for you. I'll give you a little bit of context of why I'm speaking on the topic behind me. Um, a couple of weeks ago, at the start of the school holidays, I was invited to speak at a camp called the State Kids Camp. at the Baptist Association, now you might be hard-pressed to know that Harborside is a Baptist church. We don't broadcast it very loudly, there's kind of a little bar on the bottom of the website that says, a member of the Baptist church, like it's, we're very loose, uh, loosely associated, so you wouldn't know that we are connected with the Baptist church, but we are, and so I was invited to and be a part of the team at state kids camp it's held down at a site um, in bargo uh, which is about 90 minutes drive from here depending on traffic Um, and i was given the opportunity to hang out with kids from year four to year seven so in a sense kind of our youth group aged kids at the moment Um, and i was also invited to speak um, as part of their series now We were looking at Colossians, that passage that was just read to us, we were looking at Colossians 3.12 to 17. We haven't read the whole section that we were looking at, but we were looking at Colossians 3.12 to 17, and over the three days of camp, we explored what it means to be chosen, which is that first part in that reading, what it means to be forgiven and to forgive, which is a big thing to do. We're looking at love, which is what today is all about, and so you might guess that my Talk was on love. The third talk, we were looking at what it means to be a community, what it means to be a church, what it means to be disciple makers. It's a big phrase, but it essentially means what it means for people, for us to share about Jesus, to tell others about Jesus, and and want them to know more about Him. And then we finally looked at what it means to be worshippers, uh, and not just this stuff, not just singing on a stage, but all life worship uh, and how we do that. And that was pretty cool to be a part of. Uh, with years four to seven kids unpacking and exploring these topics. And so I was speaking on love, and behind me it says loved to love. And so I'm going to unpack that a little bit more as we go through the talk. But that Colossians passage tells us that we are dearly loved, and then the ending of it talks about this idea of putting on love. So that's what we're going to be dealing with, loved to love. Now, because this talk is essentially a kid's talk that I gave uh, a couple weeks back, uh, things are going to look a little different than a regular sermon. Uh, I'm not going to be standing here behind the pulpit. Uh, I'm not going to just be reading directly from a script or anything like that. It's going to be somewhat interactive, which is frightening if you sit in church often. Oh my gosh, I'm being asked to do something. But... I'll explain those things and hopefully comfortably lead you into them, so it's not a, oh, I've got to speak to someone, um, but actually an opportunity to to connect more and think more about love uh, in action. But um, because of that, there's some props, there's some things which will be used throughout the, the service, so get excited for a unique sermon, not a regular sermon that we normally do. I'm going to pray for us before we jump into the message proper, so would you pray with me. Gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you seek us out and you want to lavish us and pour over us your love. And we see that most in the person of Jesus and what he's done for us. And so, Father, I pray that as we explore this idea of what it means to be loved and then in return to show love, help us to understand what that looks like for each of us individually, personally, on a micro level, but also help us to understand what that means for us as a community, as a church, how we can be loved and show love as Harborside. I pray you would help me to speak clearly and speak your word truthfully and faithfully, I commit all of these things to you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So, are you with me? You reckon we can do I think we can do this. I mean, you're older than the group of kids I was talking to a couple of weeks back, so they listened pretty well. So, I'm going to test you against them and see if you guys listen just as closely. So, this morning we're going to look at three things. The importance of love. Put on love, which I know is grammatically an incorrect sentence there, but just bear with me. Put on love and how we love. Importance of love, put on love, how we love. Three things, nice and simple. Hopefully remember them. Now, the question I launched into our talk um, at State Kids Camp was this. Is love important to God? It seems almost like an unnecessary question is love important to God? Probably. I think so. Don't just take my word for it. We're going to jump into the Bible and see what the Bible says about love. But first, because there's some hands on that slide, I asked the kids, hey, put your hand up if you think love is important to God. So I'm going to ask you, put your hand up if you think love is important to God. Okay. Fairly confident that love is important to God, right? If we're reading the Bible, there's things that are popping up. We might have experienced God's love, and so it's like, yep, I believe that. I think love is important to God. But let's look at the Bible, right? The Bible is God's word to us. It's how he speaks to us. It's how he teaches us about love. And so, let's not just take our collective word for it. We've thrown up our hands like, yeah, I think love's important to God. Let's see. Let's see what the Bible says. So, this first passage, Matthew 22, 36-39. Now, Jesus is speaking to a Pharisee, an expert in the law, and he's asked Jesus a question. As much as the way with Jesus in the New Testament, there are people asking him questions, often trying to get a dicey response for him so they can have a reason to get rid of him, right? And so, understandably, this teacher of the law is like, well, what is the greatest commandment, right? There are a bunch of laws in the Old Testament that we as Jews have to do, We're called to live by which one is the greatest? And Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And I would suggest that that means our entire being. It's pretty serious love. Love for God with our entire being. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Two commands, they kind of summarize if... We're going to get to Exodus next term, and we're going to look at the Ten Commandments, which is exciting. And it, it, the Ten Commandments kind of break down into two key sections essentially, to love God and to love others. And so Jesus essentially is saying, We've got a list of commandments to do, like tons. Like David's just going to go through them word by word by word in Exodus, and we're just going to get, just enjoy the, the commandments all the way through Exodus. No, it's not going to be that full on. But there are two key things. That those commandments are broken into. Loving God, loving others. Love is important to God. The next passage, 1 Corinthians 13. If you have been to a wedding, the chances are this passage was read out. Right? 1 Corinthians 13, the entire chapter is about love. It's a beautiful passage, don't get me wrong. It's a great passage. We could probably broaden our horizons about what passages to read about. At weddings, but this section particularly I love. Chapter 13, 4 to 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love is all these things. It's patient. Real love is patient. I'll be the first to admit, I'm often not very good at real love then. I'm not very patient sometimes. I'm also not very kind. I'm also a little bit envious, a little bit boastful, a bit proud. Sometimes I do dishonor others. And so, when Paul writes these words to the Corinthian church, he's saying this is what love, this is what your lives should look like when you're showing love. This is what it should look like. Love is important to God. What about this one? Short and sweet, 1 John four eleven. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. Kind of the whole purpose of today's talk. We have been loved, God has loved us, so we also ought to love one another. Love God, yep, but love one another, okay? So we've been loved by God, we show love in response to that love. If we've got an example of love to show, then even easier. We see Jesus' love for us, we see God's love for us, that's how we show love to others. We'll get into that a little bit more. But the entire message of the Bible is kind of summed up in this classic verse. You might have heard it, heard it read countless times. You might even have memorized John 3:16. Sometimes it just gets like thrown out there randomly, and you're like, "What? What was that all about?" But I think the entire message of this book, the Bible, is John 3:16. As we'll see in the story of Exodus over the next term, God loves His people. God loves his people and he wants to redeem them, he wants to rescue them, he wants to save them. And the entire narrative of the Bible kind of leads us to a point where things kind of aren't fully working. And so, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It is God's love for us, it's God's love for his world that means he sends Jesus into the world, right? Right? It's God's love that he has created for you and me, which is why he sends Jesus into the world. There are probably a few other reasons in there, but at the core of it, it's love. For God so loved the world. I think love is pretty important to God, don't you think? Love is important to God. It's it's who He is intrinsically. All the characteristics of who God is at the very centre kind of link back to love, link back to His love. So, importance of love, tick. I think we're pretty, pretty confident that we can say love is important to God. Now, reading Colossians 3, 12 to 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these things, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, on Tuesday mornings, we have a staff meeting here at church. And often we start those staff meetings with a devotional, and that devotional is usually kind of like a session where we read the passage that the the sermon's on for that week, and have kind of a, almost like an exploratory session in looking at that passage. It's like a focus group for the sermon. A lot of Dave's ideas are not his, uh, they're the the staff's, so I just want to put that out there. No, no. Um, But we have that time together to explore and unpack the passage, and think, well, what does this mean for us? And so we did that on Tuesday morning, read through this passage, and Caleb, and so I am saying that this thought is not my own, Caleb came up with this thought, and I thought it was a great thought. If you read earlier in Colossians, which we didn't, so you shouldn't have, but if you read early in Colossians, before verse 12 and verse 11, it says, here there is no Gentile or Jew. Circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Looks like that. Okay? There is no Gentile, no Jew. Two key kind of factions back in Jesus' time. Gentile, anyone who isn't a Jew, us, unless you're Jewish here this morning, then you're not a Gentile, but everyone else, Gentile. Greek, non Greeks, Egyptians, Romans, Scythian, everyone else, Gentiles. Two groups, circumcised, uncircumcised. The law in the Old Testament is what we're talking about here, what Paul's speaking about. A barbarian. It's an interesting group of people. Barbarians in the church. Come on, let's let's get some barbarians in Harborside. Let's go. Uh, That'd be interesting. Don't know what they were. Don't know what they looked like. If they're like the Age of Empires barbarians who just randomly attack you for no reason. Who knows? I don't know what. He's talking about there, but barbarians, Scythians, a people group at that time, slave or free, people in the church who were enslaved, people in the church who were free. But Christ is all and in all. And Caleb made this point that when we read verse 11, we see a group of people that all would have worn different clothes. Duh. But If you think about it, they all looked different, they all were different, unique people coming from different backgrounds, probably different languages, different experiences, very much so for the slave and the free, super different experience. And then Paul writes the words that we had read read for us, right? This group of random ragtag people. But Christ is all and in awe. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, you are not the Gentile or Jew. You are not the circumcised or the uncircumcised. You're not even the barbarian or the Scythian or the slave or the free. If you love Jesus, if you are saved by Jesus, you have faith in him, you love him, man, you are part of one big family. You are part of His chosen people, who are dearly loved, dearly loved. And it says there, clothe yourselves with a number of things. Now I'm going to invite Max up onto the stage. Max, can I need you to hop up for me? It's interesting because this group of people whoop, don't die, please! Um, this group of people that would have been um, in this church, right? All worn different clothes, but Paul says you need to clothe yourselves with these things. So, the first thing Paul says to clothe, I need you to put that T-shirt on for me, is compassion. So, all the people who love Jesus in that church, it's going to be a little big on you, but I trust you can crush it. All the people in the Colossian church, in all the churches, are to have compassion. Right? He's doing great. I purposely bought very big T-shirts, so it kind of looks ridiculous, but you look fabulous. Is showing compassion... Compassion, putting a shoulder around someone, caring for someone—that's pretty nice. You'll grow into it. Um, the next thing he says to put on is kindness. So I need to put that on as well. Thank you, Max. Um, so kindness, and the image I've kind of got there is a picture of someone kind of holding an umbrella over someone in the rain, who's kind of maybe living on the streets, doing it tough, showing kindness to someone. That's right. We're We've lost, this is, this is exactly how it went at State Kids Camp as well, uh, which, is, which is part of the fun. Um, and so he had kindness, telling us to be kind to each other. That if we've been loved, do we need to find an arm? Jazz, do you want to help him out? I'll use my esteemed colleague, also wife, um, to help out. Um, so kindness, we've got to put on caring for someone in need, showing kindness to people. And then he said, put on humility, which I've got there, someone kneeling. And, and the posture of someone kneeling, when you're like this, is someone who isn't in power. Like if you think of someone in power, like a, a, the only time we've seen the king of England kneel down was to kind of get ready to be coronated, to be lifted up in power. Right? So for a very brief moment, King Charles was kind of humble before, before Jesus, before God, before his people. I am going to be your leader, and I'm humbling myself. And so I've got someone kneeling. That's a that's a bit of a bigger shirt on there for you. Beautiful. And so Paul says you need to have humility. Then he also says you need to be gentle with one another. There's another one for you. Beautiful. Gentleness, right? The the image I've put on the shirt is kind of like a gentle touch on a hand. I imagine you've probably showed gentleness to someone before. And so Paul is saying to this church, if you are united, if you are connected, if you have all these things in common, then you put on gentleness with each other. Not just with each other. With everyone. Fabulous. Very good. And then finally, the last thing kind of Paul says to clothe yourselves with is patience. I've got one more for you. Here you go. Yep, one more. Pop it on. Because the Bible tells you to put the clothe them. So patience. If you're a connect, if you're a church who's chosen and dearly loved connected. Fabulous. You're probably getting a bit warm. You're going to get very warm in a second. Um, Right? Patience. Caught to have patience with one another. I mean, the next line in that passage, bear with each other, is kind of patience. If you can bear with each other when stuff is going wrong and kind of be like, you know what, Max, you're really annoying me right now, but I'm going to bear with you and I'm going to forgive you. and Have patience with each other. That's kind of what bearing with each other looks like. It involves patience. It involves forgiveness, as the passage tells us, but it involves patience. And then, if we kind of skip a few passages, uh, skip a few verses, lines there, what does it say? And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So, over all these things, (laughs) he put on love the last thing you've got to wear my man and it's going to look fabulous so here you go josh you want to help max out max is just like i'm done like i'm too hot it's all right it's all right you'll be able to take it off very soon he'll grow into that one too um he was just at the snow so maybe you can just use this next time you're at the snow it fits perfectly um ding can you turn around for us max there you go put on love the last thing give max a round of applause thank you come on all right, you can hop down. Jazz can help you t- shed all your layers. But essentially, this is what Paul is saying to the church. Each individual person is to put on these things. Clothe yourself. Just as much effort you put on your own clothes, you think about, you look in the mirror and you're like, what am I going to wear today? I'll wear these particular shoes. i wear these particular jeans, T-shirt, maybe a hat, beanie. Good job. Well done. Paul is saying with the same thought and effort you put on your regular clothes, put on these spiritual clothes. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Put on those things. Think actually about putting those things on. And above all those things, over all those virtues, put on love. Right? Put on love. Now, I think we've kind of got to the point, right? Over all these virtues, over all these things we're meant to do, which we might see as fruits of the Spirit, sometimes they're talked about in that way, these fruits of being kind of a Christian, of loving Jesus, this kind of stuff, when we talk about fruits, we talk about the fact that they kind of grow in us. If we love Jesus, kind of compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, patience, all those things begin to grow in us. Love begins to grow in us, and so we put on love, okay? We put on love, and so we need to take kind of seriously the reality that if we call ourselves a Christian, if we love Jesus, then kind of every day we make a conscious decision, I'm going to live compassionately, I'm going to live with kindness, I'm going to live with humility, by being gentle, by being patient, and kind of above all else, being loving, because, as it says, love is what binds all those things together. Right? If you show compassion without love, if you show patience without love, you might have a certain amount of patience or compassion to give to someone, but if you don't truly love them, it's going to end eventually. Patience runs out, and you go, no more. I've kind of hit the limit. But when love is the driving thing of those, when love drives compassion, kindness, all those things, There's plenty more to give. Now, finally, how do we love? How do we love? If we're told to put on love, and we've been loved by God, and so in response we are to love, how? How do we love? What do we do? Right, I'm sure we can talk about loving others in kind words, caring words, things we might say to each other. And that is true. But I think love, if we're thinking about it as a verb, as a doing word, as an action, love is so much more than just kind words. It's deep action. And so we're going to do something fun this morning. Not that none of that already has been not fun. But a story we're going to look at which I think emphasizes love, involves a place called Jerusalem. You've probably heard of it. It's pretty common in the Bible. It's kind of the center of Israel, still is. You can still go to Jerusalem. The next place is Jericho. So I'm going to wander through the crowd. It's a, oh, wow, I've pranked myself. Oh, my goodness. You can see my brain's functioning well this morning. So let's try again. That's Jerusalem. Jerusalem. This is Jericho. Put your hand up and you can shout in a big, loud voice. Who's heard of Jericho before and why is it important in the story? Well, oh, no one. Wow. Tough crowd. Anyone know why Jericho is important? Has it been in the Bible before? Walls fell down. Bingo. Yep. There was a random bunch of Israelites walking around Jericho. There were big walls. They weren't that random, but they were God's people and they were told to go into the promised land, but that's a lot of history we're not going to go into. But Jericho is famous because it had big walls and then it didn't because some people blasted some trumpets. Weird story, a lot of weird stories in the Bible, we're not going to go into it. But Jerusalem and Jericho, two key parts of the story. And this comes from Luke chapter 10. You might have heard of it before. It's called the parable of the good Samaritan. Famous, famous story. A parable is just the word that the Bible uses for stories that Jesus tells that have kind of a deeper meaning underneath. There's kind of like stuff that makes sense on the surface, but then there's a bit of like, ooh, okay, yep, there's there's a bit of something there, a bit of important things to listen to and to think about. So Jerusalem and Jericho. So again, this story starts with Jesus being spoken to by an expert in the law, someone who understands the Old Testament law really well, and they're like, "All right, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Decent question, fair question, right? What do I do to inherit eternal life? Maybe a question you've asked, what do I need to do? What do I do? Well, Jesus responds kind of cryptically, as he often does. Well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? Kind of throws the question back on the the lawyer. How do you read it? And he's like, "Mm, okay, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Bingo, big tick, love God. And then he says, you also got to love your neighbor as yourself. Big tick over here. And Jesus like, Yeah, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Right? The expert in the law has this kind of spicy question, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And he's like, well, how do you read the law? And he's like, love God, love others. He's like, yep, you're right. Off you go. Go and do it. Now, the expert in the law, the lawyer, is like, just doesn't really kind of scratch my itch. Right, it doesn't, I kind of still got more to ask here. And so it says in verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself. He's like, well, all right, okay, yeah, I know, love God, love my neighbour. He says, who is my neighbour? Who do I have to love? Are there people I can specifically show love to? And, and, And a category of those who get to be loved by me and those who don't get to be loved by me? And so Jesus is like, all right, strap yourself in. Here's a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem, the main city in Israel, to Jericho. He was walking the journey. And as he made his way from Jerusalem to Jericho, sorry, chair, he was beaten and attacked by robbers, okay? Making his way, this journey to Jericho, he's beaten and attacked by robbers, left for dead, Stripped of his clothes, hurt, wounded, lying there on the road, left, abandoned. And now a priest was walking the same route. He's wandering. Don't know why. Jesus just says there's a priest walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he looks down and he notices the man. And he's like, nah, nah. I'm not going to get involved with that. I'm not going get, to get unclean by that. I'm out. No thanks. Uninterested. So the priest just leaves him there. Sees this man beaten, bloodied, kind of dying. And is like, too much. Too much involvement. Too much cost. No thanks. The next person that goes is a Levite. Very similar I'll, I'll very briefly explain what the connection is. But the Levites were the tribe of Israel. Israel, in the Old Testament, split into 12 tribes. The Levites are one of those tribes, and their role was to be the priests of Israel. So the Levite is connected with that first character, okay? Priest, kind of the, the, the head honcho. A Levite would probably be in a supporter of the priest, in the temple, serving, working in that capacity. And so a Levite walks the same way, route, Jerusalem to Jericho, and he's walking, he's walking, and he sees the man, and he looks down at him, he sees the wounds, he sees this man's injury, he sees the blood, the mess, maybe the agony, I don't imagine this man's silent, he's not just lying there like peacefully wounded, this dude's probably crying out in pain, and the Levite's like, no, too much, too much to get involved with. Too much cost to pay. I'm not interested. I don't want to enter into that mess, that grossness, to become unclean. Right in those days, if you were connecting, with, if you connected with someone who was unclean, beaten bloodied, all that sort of stuff, you were ceremonially unclean. And so what that means is that you couldn't engage in temple practices and worship. You probably couldn't walk in through church. Right? If you're unclean, you're not in here. Right? Until you can make yourself clean again. A sacrifice of a certain kind would help you do that. And so the priest and the Levite are like, nah, my work... My identity, my priestly nature as a Levite, as a priest, is more important than dealing with this bloke. No thanks. And so again, two people see this man's pain, suffering, and just walk on by. The last person in the story that Jesus says, and as a, as a little tidbit on the side, if you ever see a but in the Bible and not but, but B-U-T, but in the Bible, something important is coming next, okay? Something important is coming next, but a Samaritan as he traveled. Now, I'm not going to go into all the depth of, of the Samaritan, but what I will tell you is this. Israel, God's people, used to be one big kingdom, connected family under King David, King Solomon, all that sort of stuff, happy days, sort of. It's a mess. But eventually things get really messy, and so the kingdom splits. North kingdom, South kingdom. They don't like each other very much. Why? The South kingdom think they've, become, they've like stayed super true to their religion. They're like, we've been following the commandments really hard, we've been doing everything right, but the northern kingdom, well, the Assyrians have come in and intermarried and interconnected and kind of made them unpure. Ugh. Gross. A Samaritan? Sometimes the Bible refers to them as dogs. That's some serious language, isn't it? And so Jesus' next character in the story is a Samaritan. The tension. You can almost like the lawyer stand there listening to Jesus talk, it's like tensing up. What? A Samaritan? Can you believe it? And so Jesus says, a Samaritan walking the same journey making his way along the trip. He looks down and sees the man there, wounded, bloodied, crying out in agony. And he's like, you know what, I can do something here. Like, I'm just going to abandon this person. And so he stops. He probably kneels down because the man's not standing up on his own two feet. He has some bandages and so he bandages the man's legs or arms, or whatever is hurt. He has oil, and so he pours on oil, which in the time was used to kind of help clean wounds. And so he pours on these things, and then he doesn't just go, good luck to you, see you later. What does he do in the story? He lifts him up, and he says, come with me. I'll look after you. So maybe there's a donkey there in the story, and he puts him on his donkey, while he walks on the road, and so he kind of journeys the story, and as the story continues, the man gets to a town where there's an inn. The Samaritan gets to this town where there's an inn, and he says to the innkeeper, he says, hey, I've got this guy here. I don't even know who he is, but he's in deep need of help. He's in deep need of healing and care. Can I please leave him here with you for a bit while I go away and get some things and come back? It goes further, he doesn't just like go, here's an inn, good luck to you. Here's a bed, rest, nice, you'll be fine. He's like, no, no, here, please look after him. He gives him enough money to look after the man for a couple of days while, right, the Samaritan goes away to get some extra things to look after it. And he comes back. I will return, I will reimburse you, for any extra expense you may have. Which of these, Jesus asks, right at the end of the story, which of these three, is that, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Now, the lawyer kind of seething that the Samaritans, a good guy in the story, is like, well, the one who had mercy on him. He doesn't even say Samaritan, right? That kind of shows you how deeply rooted this hate was. And Jesus says, well, go and do likewise. You see, that story shows us that if you really show love to people, it will cost you something. It will cost you time. It might cost you physical money. It might cost you emotionally, right? When you enter into someone's difficulty and hurt and pain and you stop and actually listen to them, you take on some of that stuff. That can be emotionally, that's an emotional cost we bear. There's a spiritual cost taking on someone's difficulty because you might be like, Well, the Samaritan might have been like, I yearn for this person to be healed, and so I'm praying powerfully for them. I want them to be looked after. I want them to be cared for. There is a cost to showing love. And I think the thing we need to remember is if we've been loved to show love, the way God showed love to us and has loved us is because he was willing to pay the cost, wasn't he? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He paid with his one and only son. God's love wasn't this kind of like airy-fairy idea of like, I love you, I care for you. It's like, no, my only son is going to the cross for you because you can't pay the price. I can. He can. And so the love that God shows us is Jesus. And that's the cost that God was willing to pay. So there's going to be a cost for you if you show love. Okay? That needs to sink in because if you don't recognize that, we're never going to bother to show real deep love to people because we're like, I want to pay the cost. It's too much. The priest and Levi didn't no thanks the cost is great at times on us but I think it's worth paying don't you if, if God has loved us so much holy, dearly loved put on love show love Speak kind words, caring words, loving words. 100%. No doubt the Samaritans spoke kind and loving words. But he didn't just be like, thoughts and prayers. Kept walking. What is thoughts and prayers? Thoughts and prayers, like, yeah, you can think about being loving. Great. Great. But he didn't just do that. He was like, let me get down in the mess and the filth and the grossness with you and love you. How we love. Tick. And so the final question I want to leave you is this. How will you show love in the name of Jesus? How will you show love in the name of Jesus? Hey, if you're sitting here this morning and you are not a Christian, and you're like, I'm probably not going to do anything in the name of Jesus at the moment, that's okay. That's okay. Don't fake it. But my hope is that if you are sitting here and you're not a Christian, then you will have just heard that the cost that God was willing to pay for you was his only son. God loves you. God was willing to send his own son into the world to die for you. You were loved. If you're a Christian here sitting this morning, you love Jesus this morning, then the core to you is how will you show love in the name of Jesus? So here's where some audience participation/slash group work happens. At State Kids Camp, we often finished the session with some small group time. We'd have the talk. Have a lot of stuff said, and then i will be like, "All right, gather together in your small groups. We're going to talk about how we do this." Because sitting here, you might be thinking about all this stuff, and you're like, great, cool. Walk out that door, maybe grab a coffee, talk to a few people. Monday morning comes. You're at the desk. You're at the whatever guitar. I don't know what's happening for your work week, and it's like, wait, what was that thing I was meant to do again? What did Mike say on Sunday? Whatever. I missed it. I lost it. No. I want you to think seriously about this this morning. And so I'm going to invite you to gather with two, three, four people in your rows. Turn around if you need to. I, I wouldn't kind of like re, re-furniture the entire room and like make little circles and stuff. That would be a bit messy, but it take a while. But with the people in your aisle or just next to you, kind of turn around in groups of three and four or five, I'll be lenient. I want you to answer this question. If you don't feel comfortable sharing your small group, that is okay. Don't share. Just say, hey, still thinking about it. Still praying about it. And then after you've done that, after you've spent some time chatting, if you are, one person pray for the group and say, Father, please help us to actually show this sort of love this week. Okay? you got like five minutes, so that's, that's, that's tight. So keep your your convo short, but over to you guys. Gracious and heavenly Father, thank you that you had such great love for the world that you sent your son into it. Your son who lived, breathed, spoke about crazy things like the kingdom of heaven, did crazy stuff like making lots of bread out of very little bread, raising people back to life, and then walked to the cross and died on the cross to pay the price for all of us. Thank you that your love for us was so great that the cost of your own son was not too dear a price to pay. And so I pray for each one of us that as we reflect on that love that we've been shown, that you might show us how we love in response. Help us to to look at the cost of showing love and not be deterred. To not turn away and say that's too high a price to pay. Father, help us to enter into those moments this week, whatever it is we've spoken about, Whatever it is we've been reflecting on, Father, help us by your Spirit to show that love this week. And not just this week, not just next week, not just the next month, but for the rest of our lives. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.